0: That's what the EPA has committed to doing. It's saying we're going to take steps, so we're going to see reductions every single year, and they're committing to, by 2035, that all of the tests that they require on mammals will be either replaced or revised in some way to not include animals.
1: Welcome to a very special bonus episode of the exam room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving this show a listen this week, a view or a download. As always, wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here. So we're giving you an extra show this week that is a little bit different. So much of what we talk about on the exam room is devoted to human health and nutrition. But really, that is only one part of our mission here at the Physicians Committee, because we are also working tirelessly to help improve the lives of animals, ending the use of animal testing in medical schools and in labs. The fact of the matter is that now there are so many alternative testing methods that are available to researchers, methods that don't involve animals, and methods that would save hundreds of thousands of animal lives every year. And as it turns out, these tests are also more accurate and would get better and safer products to the market a whole lot faster and the epa the environmental protection agency has heard our message and the messages of so many others so today we are celebrating on the exam room we are celebrating the epa's momentous decision to end all chemical safety tests on mammals by the year 2035 and here's the cool thing We're going to see improvements long before then as well. This is a massive, massive victory. So in just a moment, I'm going to be joined by Christy Sullivan. She is the Vice President for Research Policy here at the Physicians Committee and someone who has been working hard to push this through for nearly two decades at this point. She's going to be here. She's going to explain exactly what this decision means, how it will affect you, and most importantly, how it will improve and save the lives of so many animals. Before we bring on Christy, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Exam Room is being brought to you by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. The fund supports organizations that carry on Greg's passion and the love that he had for animals through rescue efforts and veganism and even wildlife conservation. I encourage you please to visit GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory R-E-I terfund.org and while you're there you can learn more about Greg's incredible story and about the animal welfare issues that we're currently facing and you can also subscribe to the Fund's newsletter. You can find a link to their website right now in the show notes for this episode. doing something a little bit different on this episode of the exam room podcast a bonus episode you know so often we talk about health and we talk about nutrition and that's our focus but behind the scenes here at the physicians committee we just had a major victory in our animal welfare side of things and to talk all about that i cannot be more enthusiastic more excited to welcome to the show our vice president for research policy christy sullivan welcome back to the show Thank you. Nice to be here. This is a huge victory. First of all, what is this victory?
0: So let's start with the Environmental Protection Agency. Mm -hmm. Many people don't even realize that in order to um, fulfill their mission to protect the environment from dangerous chemicals, they require tests on animals. Upwards of over a hundred thousand animals are killed every year to test pesticides mostly mm-hmm. and so pesticides like that are used on farms or uh, even the you know bug spray under your kitchen counter um, all the way to industrial chemicals um, uh, chemicals that are used in manufacturing and cleaning products cars you know the kind of the whole universe oh, of, yeah. of chemicals yep yep. So um, many, many animals are killed in toxicology tests, and this has been happening for decades. As you know, we've been working to change that because these tests don't always give us the answer that we need because animals are different than humans physiologically. Right. And they also take a long time and cost a lot of money. And so that means that chemicals aren't adequately tested.
1: Right. Right. So, essentially, what this victory does, if if my understanding is correct, by the year 2035, it would eliminate all testing on mammals for these chemical tests, these products that you're talking about, correct?
0: Yep. That's what the EPA has committed to doing. It's saying we're going to take steps every single year to reduce the number of animals um, that are being required to be tested on. Um, We're going to replace them with alternative tests. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to see reductions every single year, and they're committing to, by 2035, that all of the tests that they require on mammals um, will be either replaced or revised in some way to not include animals.
1: So uh, the timeline for this, is it, Do they have it laid out where in five years we need X fewer tests? By the next decade, we need another 15 know, 20% fewer tests until it's completely eliminated?
0: Right. So they've made a shorter term in the next uh, six years, five and a half years by 2025. They're aiming for a 30% reduction. So that's still a huge number of animals. Sure, sure. Um, The other thing that they did is they've backed it up with their funding, okay? They have, at the same time that they announced this commitment, they announced um, over $4 million in research grants to different universities around the country developing alternatives um, for mammals and non-mammals in uh, tests.
1: Okay. Let's... We're going to get into all that. I, I think it's important that you know we, we kind of point out here that you were talking uh, as an expert in this. your Your background is in toxicology. That's what you studied in college, correct? That's right. And you've been working in this field how many years now? Don't date yourself too much.
0: <laughs> Don't date yourself too much uh, uh, sixteen years.:
1: Sixteen years. Okay. okay. did you ever think when you first started those sixteen years ago that we would reach such a momentous occasion where the EPA says, "Hey. We're, we're going to eradicate all this.
0: Well, I was always hopeful that because that's what we were working for. Right. right? So, of course, we're going to reach our goal. Right on. But the, I think what you said really hits it on the mark, which is that the EPA itself would say, this is our commitment. This is our goal. Um, you know, because we um, and other organizations have been pushing for changes to the way toxicology is conducted for a long time. But what is momentous about this is a government agency saying we need to replace animals in order to fulfill our mission. We need to modernize toxicology, and th- and we are going to do it. And it sets. It sets a really good example um, and a good precedent for other agencies. Right. Um, but it also gives uh, industry who often tell us when we talk with the chemical industry and pesticide industry companies, they say, well, you know, we want to use this alternative. We're not really sure if EPA will accept it. And so this gives um, – Ammunition to say, "Look, the EPA is moving in this direction, so be bold and propose an alternative approach.
1: This has to be pretty gratifying for you though. I mean again, putting in sixteen years of tireless effort here, he, this is paying off big time for you, right? talk Talk to me about the emotions of the day when this came down. Did it kind of come out of the blue
0: it, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, they uh, one of their senior administrators. Um, invited us to come along with some other organizations to attend a press event to, where the administrator was going to sign the memo. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just excited to be able to um, be there for the EPA to say this is a commitment that we're making and to be able to support, absolutely, to be able to support the, the, the announcement that they were
1: well, let's let's talk about these tests. And I think it's important also that we recap here that the, the chemicals that we're talking about being tested, I mean, these are found in virtually what, every item that's on every store shelf, you know, from your, I, I would assume, like, you know, your armor all that you would use on the dashboard to the cleaning solutions that are under your kitchen sink. It really just kind of runs the gamut. Odds mm-hmm. are, in your house, you have some of these chemicals that have been tested on animals, Right.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, shampoos and that's um, a different type of product than what we're talking okay. about here. They're okay. regulated by the Food and Drug Administration under sort of cosmetics, gotcha. mostly. Um, but yes, even even in that realm, there are definitely tests on cosmetics and personal care products. Um, over the years, there have been many many chemicals tested. Um,
1: so right now we're talking like pesticides, cleaning agents, things like that, correct? Right, right. Okay. So what then do you think the ramification ramification would be then for, you know, these other products that would be blanketed under the FDA like you were talking about? Like there has to be some sort of like, you know, uh, well, monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. You know, well, hey, look what the EPA did. FDA, man, we we got to get on board too, right? Is that the hope?
0: Um, that's certainly what we'll suggest. Um, you know, there have been efforts on all these types of products. And you might have heard um, the European Union several years ago placed a ban on cosmetics testing. Right. And what we found that that did is it encouraged so much investment in Making sure that there were methods available because the cosmetics industry still had to test their products to make sure they're safe, mm-hmm. right? And so there was a lot of scientific investment to make sure that there were methods available and they became available. So just as that happened, setting this really concrete goal like the EPA has done will lead to a ton of investment and activity in training in all of the scientific development and infrastructure that we need to be able to safely test products um, without animals.
1: I think it's important that we also touch on kind of the conditions that these tests are conducted under real quick. And for those who aren't really you know, familiar with the animal welfare issues that we work on so much here, like maybe you can open some eyes, shed some light on you know, how these tests are conducted currently.
0: Sure. S- a couple of the most common tests are called uh, the Dray's eye and skin tests. Those are conducted on rabbits, and those are conducted for pesticides every single year, a couple hundred times a year. Um, and they basically involve taking is sort of immobilizing a rabbit, uh, several rabbits and different um, groups of rabbits, um, and putting the products in their eyes. And the reason that they use rabbits is because rabbits can't cry. They don't have tears like we do, so they don't naturally wash things out of their eyes. The product just sits there and uh, damages their eye, as you can imagine, over a period of you know, 24 hours. The skin test is similar. You put, you shave the rabbit's skin and put these materials, which may be very caustic um, or painful, on the rabbit's skin. There's another similar test to see whether the uh, a material causes an allergic reaction, um, and. Some of the other most common tests are lethal tests. Now, these are lethal dose 50 tests, and they're called that because they lead to, what they're designed to try to find out is, what is the dose of this chemical that will kill about half the population? So it's a very crude measure of just how bad is this chemical. And uh, the problem is it's, it's, it um, doesn't tell us a lot about the chemical and what it might do in humans. It just tells us what it does in rats or whatever animal is being tested. Um, but essentially, they take different groups of animals, um, mostly rats, but sometimes other animals, um, and they either f- force a tube down their throat to put different amounts of chemicals into the animal's stomachs just one dose and then see what happens they also um, do an inhalation test which is uh, a very tiny tube kind of like a toilet paper tube Mm -hmm. that rats will naturally um, go go into a small tube right Mm -hmm. and then they can force the animal to inhale these gases or aerosols, these airborne chemicals, um, for, you know, a period of four hours or until they die. Now, as you can imagine, um, the animals experience all kinds of effects, you know, vomiting and diarrhea, um, seizures, tremors, all kinds of different um, side effects from all of these chemicals uh, before they die. And some of them, don't die, but then they're euthanized, um, and as I said, the these tests don't give us information that we need in order to protect the public, and so replacing them with better, more scientifically relevant alternatives is uh, the best approach.
1: So we've mentioned rabbits and rats. I would assume, though, that there are. You know, countless other types of mammals that are, are being used here: dogs, pigs, you name it.
0: Uh, typically, um, dogs, uh, rats, and mice, rabbits, and sometimes guinea pigs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and
1: and you you mentioned the hundreds of thousands every year. Is, yeah, is that we're accurate? also
0: um, and one thing to note too is we're also talking about birds and fish and some frogs who are also tested they unfortunately they weren't included in this kind of declaration of of uh, or commitment that the epa made right. however they uh they were careful to say that we will still be working to find replacements for some of those tests and so you know there's still work going on to to replace them because um oftentimes you know the Birds, as you can imagine, um, have to have these chemicals force-fed uh, into them, and that's very painful for them as well.
1: Uh, I would imagine any any animal, and and yeah. so that's the important distinction here. You know, we're using kind of this blanket term "animal testing," mm-hmm. but really, what we're talking about specifically here only applies to mammals today. Correct? That's right. Okay. And you mentioned that even those who do survive these tests. They're euthanized in the end, is there any happy ending for these guys? No, no, no no, that just makes this victory like all the more important you know that's that's huge. I mean, if there is no you know light at the end of the tunnel like this <laughs> that light's coming by twenty thirty five right
0: yeah I think it's important to say that um we are continuing to work to make sure that the EPA reaches this goal uh, Mm -hmm. before 2035. Mm -hmm. There are lots of alternatives available that can be used. And I think what's going to happen is every year we're going to see fewer and fewer and fewer animals being killed.
1: Right. Right. And, and, you know, even if they hit those minimums, there are those minimum benchmarks that have been clearly established. Right. So that's right. that's important. You, you've you uh, alluded to this a couple of times that the effectiveness of these tests that are being conducted on the animals, not necessarily going to give us an accurate representation of what happens with humans. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
0: Sure. Uh, so humans are not j- very large rats, right? Rats Mice, even dogs and humans have all evolved to react to different things in our environment differently um, so there one actually really good example uh, is from the drug world but um, aspirin is one of our safest drugs right we okay. used it we use it um, for many different um, <laughs> it's it's all over the place.
1: It's widely consumed. It's used many, many right, different ways. Right, but it is are.
0: toxic to other animals. And so if it had gone through the set of animal tests that are required for new drugs, it would not have made it through that. We wouldn't have that drug today. So, really? Yeah, so it's important to keep that in mind. Um, there are other cases um, historically. The tobacco industry has been able to say, you know, we don't see cancer in our experimental animal studies from cigarettes. And they were able to sort of delay regulation. Um, Yeah, so there are these cases where you just uh, are able to say, well you know there are all these animal studies they may or may not apply to humans and so what we need are tests that are much more relevant to to human health
1: so hold on uh, i got to go back because what you what you just said is kind of absolutely mind blowing to me the tobacco industry mm-hmm. used animals in their testing and then concluded that this cancer isn't showing up here cigarettes aren't that harmful to human health is is that kind of what you're saying here yeah that uh, ooh, 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 that's kind of a scary thought. That coupled with the fact that aspirin would not have made it through this round of testing, that's like wow. You mm-hmm. know, that kind of goes to say, well, this methodology is really kind of flawed here, right? Yep. Wow. Okay. Well, that gives you something to think about. Um, Talk to me about some of these non-animal testing methods that have been created now. So we're transitioning away from animal testing. Mm -hmm. What then is going to replace it?
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So there are two main types of alternatives. There are computer-based alternatives, which we call in silico, and there are cell-based alternatives, which are called in vitro. Okay. Um, And so... Computer-based alternatives, you can take all the information that we have about chemicals and um, predict, use it based on the structure and other things that we know about chemicals, use it to predict the potential toxicity of new chemicals. Um, Because we have very powerful computers these days and uh, very large databases, Mm -hmm. we're able to use... um, AI, right, Um, to be able to um, have uh, predictions that uh, a human would never be able to do. The computer can kind of tell us, well, we think this chemical is going to be a carcinogen based on what we know about all the other chemicals, you know, out now. Um, so uh, that 's in silico mm-hmm. uh, in vitro uses different kinds of cells, depending on what kind of effect they 're looking for for skin sensitization there 's a method where um, human dendritic cells, which are immune cells, can be exposed to a chemical and it will depending on the markers that show up on that cell it 'll say, "Well, this chemical looks like it 's going to cause skin sensitization or skin allergy mm-hmm. in humans." There are also three dimensional uh, skin and liver and kidney models, which are really cool. You take cells in a laboratory, you uh, treat them, and they grow into three dimensional models of, not that tall really, but just imagine. <laughs> right, right. Of human skin. And so then you can put a pesticide uh, or a cosmetic or a lotion on that skin and see what's it going to do, which is much better than a rabbit.
1: That's mind-blowing. That's like straight-up sci-fi, but very cool that that technology exists.
0: There are even uh, three-dimensional models of the human respiratory system. Actually, EPA is investigating a way to use um, a computational model of the human airway. So you can build a model in a computer of Mm -hmm. our respiratory system and see where a pesticide will end up if it's breathed, if it's, inhaled by, if it's inhaled by different kinds of people, even. Yeah. Um, people who are breathing more quickly versus more slowly, older versus younger people, people with asthma. Um, see what kind of dose is going to get into a person in their different areas of their respiratory system and then take three-dimensional models of the human bronchial and lung areas and test the chemical on those systems so that wow. we can tell exactly what's going to happen.
1: How cool is that? That sounds yeah. a lot to me, kind of like um, you. You and I have talked previously about uh, medical testing and and um, using something called organ on a chip, mm-hmm. uh, which you know eliminates the need for animal testing in that right. arena. Right. Uh, one of the points that you made specific with organ on a chip was that it also speeds up, you know, the time uh, it takes to bring something to market, is that also going to happen here? Is, are we going to see, you know, an accelerated pace for bringing good products to store shelves?
0: I think eventually. Right now, um, everything is new, and so part of the transition is going to be training toxicologists both at industry and at government agencies on how to interpret data from these new methods and, and how to use it because they're really accustomed to using information from animal tests. And mm. so how do we take that information and, and feed it into our current you know, regulations and, and guidance and risk assessment? Um, but yes, ideally, um, you'll be able to get a lot more information much faster. Think about how people are currently exposed to chemicals in our environment. Are we exposed to one chemical at a time?
1: No. no it's no. all We're exposed over all the time. we all different yeah. kinds of
0: chemicals, mixtures of chemicals. And we don't – animal tests cannot recapitulate that complex environment. Whereas if we have um, a suite of different types of assays, different types of s- cell-based tests – we can take lots of different mixtures of chemicals and test them very quickly. In one day, you can test hundreds of chemicals or hundreds of mixtures of chemicals.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, these these tests that you're talking about, just a, a quick point here. I assume then that all of these would be applicable to non-mammal animal testing as well. This is obviously the focus of this EPA thing is with mammals, but all of this, these alternatives would work just as well for non-mammals, correct?
0: That's right. So you can um, develop in vitro tests for fish livers, actually. Wow. To test. Um, so we metabolize chemicals in our liver and so do other animals. And part of the difference between different species is how fast you metabolize something. And if, if you metabolize something faster, and this is the case for drugs, this might be more familiar to people if, if they're thinking about a pharmaceutical, if you metabolize something faster, it's going to be less toxic because it's going to be metabolized and taken out of your body. Um, if you metabolize it slower, then it has more chance to stick around and have an effect. And, and and that is a really important feature of whether a chemical is going to be toxic or not but people are are even amongst individuals metabolize different chemicals at different rates right so it's important to know that um, and talking about in the environmental protection uh, we currently, These pesticides are only tested on two, maybe three species of fish. But there are many species of fish and many species of birds in the environment, and they might all have different levels of sensitivity to chemicals. Sure. So if we have a suite of in vitro assays that can tell, oh, look, it looks like this certain kind of fish is more sensitive, then we can make sure that we're protecting the most sensitive species.
1: Wow. That's really kind of fascinating. Yeah. And by kind of, I mean absolutely 100% unequivocally, yeah. just mind-blowingly fascinating. <laughs> like the, the the whole science behind this is just astounding to me. It's
0: very exciting.
1: It really, really yeah. and And I mean, God bless you. You went to school to understand this uh, stuff. And, and I think that some of the smartest people in the world are working tirelessly. People such as yourself are working tirelessly to push through. All of these efforts to get us to where we are today, and will continue to get us to where we need to be in the future. Um, if somebody's hearing this and they want to get involved, they want to say, "Hey, what can I do to help push things along?" what What would you tell them to do? I know that on the website, we're obviously we, we have some things outlined. Our big thing is, you know, we're asking for donations so that we can continue to do our work.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Some things that people can do are to make sure that you're buying cruelty-free products. Make sure that you're buying products that are not tested on animals. You can get certain kinds of cleaning products and other products that are not tested on animals. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't know, ask the company. Right. So they know that you're concerned about that. But the it's tough with pesticides because your average, you know, um, um, A bug spray or whatever um, is it's all tested. You can't choose you could choose not to use bug spray. That's maybe the best thing to do. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But it's it's hard to choose with pesticides. And so really the best thing to do is to write to the EPA and write to your congressional representatives so that they understand this is a priority for you and that there is public support for this move and for this transition away from animal tests.
1: And I, I would suggest that when you write that letter to your representative, you you mention, you know, what the EPA just did. Right. Because that's going to open their eyes. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's that's action right there. You know, that's that's quantifiable action. That's that's absolutely huge. What are our next steps here internally? Because clearly, this is huge for us, but we still have a ways to go.
0: Oh, yeah. We're, we're still going to be rolling up our sleeves and doing the things that we've been doing. Uh, so, so one of the major projects that we have is training, because most scientists, toxicologists, have been trained to interpret, as I said before, animal tests and animal test data. And that's really integrated into all of our regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have held many and will continue to hold more Training sessions. We bring in experts um, that know all about these different methods, and we uh, bring in new or 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 mid-career toxicologists, both, and they can hear lectures about what the alternative methods can do, and they can also do hands-on elements of the training so they get to try out the you know the computer-based methods and and um, see how they work and it really makes a big difference in whether they'll be able to use those methods to make their decisions.
1: Sure. I would love to be in the room when they're getting trained up and and seeing that type of testing for the first time. I mean, I bet for them it's like even more kind of mind-blowing that, wow, this technology really exists, and wow, it's way more accurate than what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's cool.
0: You know what you can do? You can go to our website. We have a really cool little video that is sort of – demonstrates uh, what the trainings are all about. It's pcrm.org slash n-u-r-a Nora and all of the the other neat thing about that is that we're making all of the lectures available online. So every time we have a videographer come and video all the lectures, and we've had hundreds of people log on after the fact, even if they didn't come to the training, to be able to watch those lectures and, and uh, see see what people were talking
1: about. org right, pcrm.org/nora n u r a. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, I know what I'm going to be doing here for the rest of the afternoon. So that's uh that's really cool, you know. Christy Sullivan, thank you so very much for your time and congratulations on the big win.
0: Thank you very much.
1: As Christy just said, there is still more work to be done, and we need your help to make it happen. So let's all pitch in. Let's all pitch in together so that non-mammals are afforded the same protections. And a donation to the Physicians Committee would go a long way toward help making that happen so that we can continue our work to find alternative testing methods and then urge agencies like the EPA to implement these methods. And in turn, that would save hundreds of thousands of animal lives every single year. Right now, if you go to pcrm.org slash donate, you can pledge your support to help us do that. Pledge that support with just a few keystrokes. Everything you need to do that is right there on that page, pcrm.org slash donate. And I want to thank you for your help and for becoming a member. Before we go, just a quick reminder that this episode of The Exam Room has been brought to you by the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. This fund is extraordinary, and it supports organizations like the Physicians Committee that carry on Greg's passion and the love that he had for animals through rescue efforts and veganism and wildlife conservation. Visit GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory, R-E-I terfund.org and when you're there you can learn more about greg's incredible story and also about current animal issues these welfare issues the same ones that we've been talking about you can also subscribe to the fund's newsletter and you can find a link to the fund's website in the show notes for this episode and i want to thank you I want to thank you for listening to this bonus episode and for helping us celebrate this major victory for animals so cool to celebrate it together and for everyone here at the physician's committee i am the weight loss champion chuck carroll thank you so very much for listening and remember keep it plant-based